Hello there, and welcome to the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast, brought to you by the Kitchen Table Cafe in Calico, New York. Stop by their lower Main Street location, pick up a latte, and see what fresh in-house baked goods they're cooking up. In the next installment of our Memories from a Catskills Performer series, Carol Montana sits down with Frank Petroselli. Here is their interview. When and where were you born? I was born, well, in Queens, uh, Borough of Queens, New York City. Okay. Uh, Corona, which is a second Queens. And when was that? Oh, <laughs> uh, 1933, December 12th, 1933. 1933? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, Same day as Frank Sinatra. His birthday is December 12th. Never sent the card. No. That was a good point. <laughs> What in your early life influenced you to pursue music as a career? Oh, okay. Uh, my father was friends with musicians. And he was like a short order cook, you know. And they used to come and hang out in his diner. And anyway, one of the guys, one of those guys whose name was uh, Don Lotus, uh, was in Tommy Dorsey's band when Frank Sinatra was the singer with the band. So every time uh, Tommy Dorsey's band would uh, come to the Paramount Theater, my father would take the family and go see the show because Don Lewis was playing in the band. Well, you know, a little kid, and you see these guys on the stage and with all these instruments. It's, maybe I want to do that, you know. Uh, my father got one of the other musicians that he go to teach me. Okay. And he started me on clarinet, you know. Clarinet? Yeah. Uh, Because you have to double, you know, and he said it'd be good to start on clarinet before you go to saxophone. I fell in love with the clarinet, you know, so. But then I got a saxophone later on, you know, after about a couple of years, years, I guess. And that's where it started. So the saxophone is your primary instrument? Uh, I would say both of them are. Clarinet and saxophone. Yeah, if I had my choice, I'd probably concentrate more on clarinet. Really? But if you, if you, well, you know, if you go see a Broadway show and you look in a pit where the uh, saxophone players are, uh, they'll have at least two other doubles that they play. You know, like a flute and a clarinet. They're still related instruments up to a point. But when you get to that point, they become very different, you know. Okay. Yeah, so. Now, there's different kinds of clarinets, right? There's a tenor yeah. clarinet. And there's no, well, there's a regular B-flat clarinet, which is like, you know, think of Benny Goodman clarinet, right? That's the regular clarinet. Then you got a little E-flat clarinet like this. Got a bass clarinet. Uh-huh. There's an alto clarinet, contra-bass clarinet. But, you know, and you can play all of them? Oh, well, no, I just played a bass clarinet and clarinet. Okay. Yeah. So, um, were your parents uh, supportive of your career choice? Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much, yeah. Because you said your father took you to... Yeah, well, he was, you know, he was very much into music and big bands. And, you know, be, you know, yeah, it was before um, these were bands, you know. <laughs> they were big, you know, it wasn't four guitars and an electrician, you know what I mean? <laughs> and... Uh, so he was very much in, into that, you know, so, yeah, they were very supportive. And your mother also? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever consider a different career? 
not really. I, I, I would have loved to have been a, ball, a baseball player, but I, had, <laughs> I was the worst baseball player ever that attempted to play a game. You know? But I, if I could, I would love to do that. But I'm a big baseball uh, nut, I guess. You know, I got, well, I'll show you my ballparks I got in there later. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's always been music. Yeah. So then what was your musical training? Well, I started with this gentleman that my father knew. And that was how old? Uh, Twelve. Okay. Uh, Twelve years old. And uh, did that, went to high school. And I went to a high school, Newtown High School in Elmhurst, Queens. That was uh, uh, where you could major in music. You know, it wasn't like now in, in high schools, you know, they have bands and everything, but they don't have like a, it was a, music was a big deal in this school, you know, and uh, uh, so a lot of a lot of kids that were really, really interested in music went to that school, and uh, uh, when they'd have concerts each year, uh, I mean, people, it wasn't just the parents came to see their kid playing in, in, in the van, people came. Other people, you know, you couldn't get in into that auditorium, you know. And it was the first, in fact, I'll show you something. It was the first high school ever to do a full-fledged uh, uh, jazz concert. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there's Newtown High School. Wow, you've got the program and everything yeah. from back yeah. then. Wow. And uh, I was I was in it, you know. Okay. Yeah. But uh, that was quite a school. Yeah. Wow. Um, you're in high school. You're studying music. Yeah. Then what? Well, after high school, uh, I went on to. I, I well, you know, it was weird. Uh, not weird, but. Uh, the, the uh, thinking in those days, in, in the environment I came out of, uh, you, you didn't, anyone going to college was like from another planet. You didn't think of, you, you, you didn't, you didn't uh, really think about going to college, you know. Uh, Why not? I don't know, you know. Okay. I, I really don't know, you know. And, uh, 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 but anyway, I started, I started with private teachers. And uh, after after that, when I got when I when I was in Newtown High School, I met a lot of other saxophone players that were studying with this one uh, teacher in New York. There were two or three teachers in New York that everybody would go and take lessons from privately. And this guy's name was Joe Napoleon. And Joe Napoleon uh, came from a, a family of, of musicians also. His brother Phil Napoleon was a well-known band leader and so on. You know? And uh, but but that's that's the way it was. And and in fact, Joe Napoleon uh, would get uh, uh, people would call uh, band leaders would call him. Uh, I need a, I need a saxophone player. And they, do you have anybody? And he'd send one of his students that that he thought could fill the job. You know. Uh, in fact, he. Uh, there's one guy that he uh, taught who became, uh, his name is Bob Tricarico. T 
C-A-R-I-C-A-R-I-C-O. And Bob Chicago was a, well, he was a, a super musician, you know. He, he was the, uh, he was on, in the, uh, the Doc Severinsen band on Johnny Carson show and so on. But I ended up studying with him after I left John Napoleon. And, uh, later on, uh, well, years later, uh, some years later, which I'll get that together for you, but some years later, uh, Bob, uh, was doing Funny Girl with Bob Streisand, and he wanted to take time off, so I talked to him. And, uh, you know, and, So you uh, played on Broadway? Yeah. Uh, did, I did, uh, you know, uh, Funny Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was scary, but I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, basically you're getting into your early career. What was, what was that like? Uh, well, the early career, my first professional job was this. And that was, um. That was like a, you know, in those days, uh, this is, this is the mid fifties. Okay. Okay. This is with the Jumpin' Jaguars. Yeah. That's the name of the group. Yeah. Okay. The mid fifties. He was with Louis Prima for a long time. Yes. Of and he did a lot of stuff, uh, Louis Prima type stuff. Which one is you? The good looking one. <laughs> With the saxophone. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, that was my where first full time, first full time professional. There was, we worked full weeks, you know, like, and we traveled around, uh, uh, the East Coast. Canada. So, uh, where were you playing with them? Everywhere. everywhere. You know, you know a, a lot in New Jersey. Uh, there were clubs, uh, the Jersey Shore, uh, Atlantic City, uh, Seaside Heights, Wildwood, Jersey, you know, well, in, well, we traveled up to Boston, uh, all over, you know, in Canada. We worked a lot in Canada. Canada? So, yeah. Okay. Uh, Montreal, Toronto. Quebec City or something. Okay. Yeah. So this was a quartet. Yes, we had right. a piano, yeah. a drummer, a trumpet player, right. and the sax. Right. And he did it. Well, they, these two guys sang. You know, it was a lot of... Okay. It was like... It was, it was, it was what they call lounge groups in those days, you know. Uh, we worked in lounges, you know. Nightclubs, they had a lounge, you know. What brought you up to the Catskills? Oh, okay. Well, uh, are you still uh, living? You're still living in Queens while you're doing this. Yes. With the yes. jumping jaguars. Yes. Okay. And then after that, well, with the jumping jaguars, I got drafted into the army. Went to Fort Dix for basic training. At Fort Dix, I took an audition for the band. While after after basic after uh, uh, basic training, they uh, uh, put me in. Uh, uh, a band training unit at Fort Dix, uh, Fort Dix, teach our marching hours band and all that stuff. While I was in the band training unit, they got a call from Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. They were having a talent show, uh, or they had talent shows all around the, uh, the, uh, uh, the army post, you know, and, but they were having the final show at Fort Monmouth, and they needed three saxophone players to fill out the pit orchestra. You know, to, to play the show, you know. And so they sent me and two other guys to Port Monmouth. And when we, uh, we were, uh, we were just supposed to do the show, but the man leader liked us and he called Fort Dix and said he wanted to keep us. So (laughs) I ended up in Fort Monmouth for, you know, I went overseas to New Jersey for two years in Fort Monmouth, you know. 
And what year was that? December, uh, I, went, I was drafted December, six, December 5th, 1956. And I got out December 6th. Okay. I guess. I don't know. Anyway, just what I'm saying, uh, 1958. So this is basically during the Korean War? No, uh, no, it was after the Korean War. It was after the Korean War. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, I was, I, we, me and those two other guys that were sent there, we really looked out because I found out later that we probably would have ended up in Korea. With, a, with the 8th Army band in Korea, but you want, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if, for me, if I had a choice, send me to Germany or uh, somewhere in Western Europe, you know, it would have been right. great, but mm -hmm. not Korea. Okay. Yeah. All right, so, so you're in the Army, and yeah. then? And I, so I come out of the Army, you know, and uh, I was just working around. Uh, and I, that's when I started to... A study with uh, that guy Bob Shakarico okay. I talked about. After okay. I came out, you know, I wanted it like advanced you know, studies, you know. And uh, he got me a job uh, with a band. Uh, no, uh, no, I'm wrong. Okay, I came out of the army and I started studying Bob Shakarico but then I I got a job at Grossinger's, and I came up to Grossinger's in 19. Christmas of 1960, and stayed there. That's where I met my wife at Grossman. Uh, uh, I stayed there for on and off for three years. You know. How, how long is it? On uh, three years. Three years. On and off. You know. And uh, while there, uh, there, uh, I was at uh, all the time I was studying with Bob Scarico, you know, and he got me a job with a band in the 60s. Uh, you know, by 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 the time you got to the sixties, big bands were like dead. You know, they were gone. There were no more big bands. But there was this guy. His name was Sai S I Zentner. Z E N T Z E N T Z E N N E R. No, Z E N T N E R. Okay, and he's a great great trombone player. Who was a studio musician at MGM, uh, uh, MGM uh, uh, Studios, you know, for years, and he decided he's going to have a big band. They, everybody told him, "You're crazy. They're gone." But he was very successful. He had a hit record uh, before I joined the band uh, up in Lazy River. If you heard it, if you heard the recording, you say, "Oh, I remember that," you know. But anyway, he he recorded. He made tons and tons of albums. I'm on four albums with him. Uh, uh, and I stayed with that band for a year and a half. That was the best band I ever played on. The great, it was a great band. It was, what made it the best band you ever played on? Well, because the, the music was written, uh, the arrangements were beautiful, beautifully written. Uh, everybody knew how to play, you know. Uh, and it was like a team effort, you know. It was. Uh, unbelievable. I've been playing other bands too that were good, you know. But uh, this band was very uh, was an excellent band. It was a great experience for me, for me personally. You know, to sit in the saxophone section like that and, and you hear that sound. It was something was just incredible, you know. So anyway, uh, uh, I left Girls Games to go with that band. I stayed with it for a year and a half. 
we got engaged while I was with the band. Also, got married while I was with the band. In fact, she came <laughs> on the road, because uh, she used to do one-nighters, mm-hmm. you know. Well, she came, before we were married, she came out to uh, Los Angeles, because that band was working in the, I don't know if you ever heard of the Coconut Grove, in the Ambassador Hotel. Mm-hmm. That's where Robert Kennedy was assessed. And uh, we were there for three, for six, yeah, six weeks. It was, like I, I mentioned before that we did one nighters, but to get, to get, you know, uh, one, in one place for six weeks was great. For the first three weeks we, we worked with, uh, Vic Damone. And the second three weeks we worked with Leslie Owens. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Leslie Owens? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. Well, there's pictures in there of my wife, Leslie Owens. Okay. And I, I mentioned that guy, Don Wotus, before. Mm-hmm. That with Tommy Dorsey. Well, he ended up in MGM Studios too. Well, while we were out there, one of the other saxophone players got in an accident and he couldn't play. So, besides that, who do you think he gets to substitute for that saxophone? Don Lotus, who I've been hearing about all my life since I'm a little kid, you know? And here I am, 100 years later, playing with him. You know, it must have been thrilling for you. It was scary, you know. Yeah. Uh, my 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 father uh, couldn't believe it. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was, and he, and those, he remembered my dad because he's he used to get these musicians. They were starving musicians, young musicians back then. In the thirties, he gave them, gave them free coffee, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I ended up playing with Donalds. It was amazing. You know. Then we came we came back. Uh, uh, we got married. She she came on a road uh, with us for a month uh, on the bus, you know. And uh, uh, but then I left the band. That's when I that's when Bob Scarico got me to sub for him in Funny Girl. Okay. Yeah, that's right. And that's why you left the band? No, no. I I just I I left because I didn't want to travel anymore. Okay. And you know, because they went out forever, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's that's when that happened, and I just freelanced in New York for about I don't know, a year, a year and a half, whatever it was. I I, I said, well, you know, I said maybe maybe if we, uh, I want, what I wanted to do was like get a job, uh, a steady job, and save some money, and and uh, practice a lot, you know, see if I could break into the Broadway thing, you know. And, Anyway, so I called uh, Marty Beck, who was the band leader at the Concord Hotel, and they asked him if he had any openings. And just so happened he did, you know. And I uh, ended up, I, I said, I said, we'll, we'll go to the Concord, we'll, we'll do that. We'll, we'll stay for six months and then save some money and go back. Well, it's been a long six months. <laughs> how, long, how long did it wind up being? Wait, uh, well, we're still there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I ended up working at the Concord uh, over 30 years. Wow. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, uh, my, uh, kids came along. And then I, I also decided to go back to school. For? Uh, to get a degree. You know, in music? Uh, uh, well, okay. I, I, I went to Sullivan County Community College to, to get the liberal arts credits. Okay. I ended up going to New Falls as a, as a, as a music composition major. Planning on, on getting education credits, music education credits, so I, so I could teach. 
now. But geographically, uh, New Falls didn't offer music they offered music, but not music ed, you know. So geographically, I couldn't work, support a family, and get those credits, you know, which I never did. You know? But I did graduate from uh, from New Falls with a uh, with a degree a, in a BS degree, uh, okay. uh, with an emphasis on music, you know. But uh, then I got I taught at the college at Sonoma County. Yes. For, uh, I taught music history classes there for thirty plus years. Yeah. How long? Uh, over thirty years. At the college. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I started out teaching one class, a music appreciation class, and I was very successful. You, were you teaching at the college at the same time you were working at the Concord? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I continued after. I, I, after the Concord yeah, Club. That's right. Yeah. I had something to do in the daytime. Though. Right. <laughs> you know? No, well, I, I taught one class, music appreciation class, you know, and then uh, it was very successful. So he said, why don't we split that, make it two classes? And to make a long story short, I said, well, why don't we make it an intro to jazz class? And this music appreciation class, I'll just do classical music. And I also introduced a class called History of American Popular Music. You know, so I taught three classes, and he wanted to get me in full time, but they wouldn't go for it because I only had a bachelor's degree. Yeah. Were there performers who influenced you? Okay. You mentioned some of these other names, uh, but yeah. Well, this is one of the one of the best people I've ever met. That's Joan Rivers. Yeah. Okay. That's one of the best people I've ever met. What uh, What makes her one of the best? people Well, because you know the the, per, the, the personality she she. Uh, uh, her stage personality. Sure. Yeah, she, that's not Joan Rivers. Okay. That was one of the nicest. Uh, she always had something nice to say to us. She was uh, uh, very friendly. You know, uh, she was interested in you when 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 when, when you know when you when you talk to her. You know, uh, she was just a great lady. You know, when I first got to the to the Concord, uh, the first. Big show, you know, was Lena Horne. And man, that was, that was unbelievable, you know, where she brought, uh, her own musicians also, you know, and she brought a guy by the name of Jerome Richardson, who, who, uh, no, she brought her own lead saxophone player, her own lead trumpet player, and a whole rhythm section of star musicians, you know, at the end of the show, Jerome Richardson, Thanked us and told us what a good job we did. And she was incredible. You know, it was, the music was ex exquisite to play. You know, uh, that was quite that boy. I, you know, I was just there like I don't, I don't know how long, uh, a couple of weeks. You know, boy, that was that was that was really great. You know, uh, Red Skelton uh, when he came at the rehearsal. He he came to each guy in the band and introduced him himself. Hello, I'm Red Skelton. Like like we don't know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Hi, I'm Red Skelton. How you doing? What's your name? You know. It's just a wonderful man. When he came out that night to the show, he got a standing ovation before he did anything. I believe that. It was amazing, you know. And uh, yeah, Edie Gourmet and Steve Lawrence. They were great, uh, but she was a pain in, in you know what? Uh, you know, she was always complaining about something. So Steve used to come 
down for rehearsal. And he said, let's do it, man, before she comes. Ah! <laughs> 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 yeah. So, yeah. so um, you at the Concord and the Grossingers? Uh, yeah. Any of the other hotels? No. Okay. No. They, you were exclusive. But, but I, I mentioned the size in the band, right? Before? Yes. Well, there were other big bands I've played with also. Larry Elgar. I don't know if you remember the Lesson Larry Elgar Orchestra. Well, I worked with Larry and Sammy K. Yeah, that's about it. That those were on the road? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, did you have an off-season at the hotel that um, where you, you performed at the hotel part of the year and then... The rest of the year you were on the road or something? Oh, no. I, I, no, I, I, when I came to the hotel, I just worked at the hotel. Okay. The, the bands and that were when I wasn't at the hotel, you know. Okay. Yeah. Earlier, you know, I've been around a long time, so I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right, way, you mentioned some of the people you performed with, the Lena Horn, Red Skelton, yeah. Stephen Eady, uh, uh, Joan Rivers, Rivers. Yeah. Um, George Burns. Oh yeah, George Martin. Yeah. Now, he he this he was great. By that time, I was the band leader. You were the uh, band. Well, in other words, when I joined the Concord the show band, you know, I was a, just a member of the band. You know, uh, Marty Beck was the band leader. After Marty Beck, Ned Harvey became the band leader. After Ned Harvey, a guy by the name of Steve Della became the band leader. But Steve. Uh, got into also booking acts and like that, you know, and he, and he became the head of the entertainment department in, in the hotels. And I used to run the band for him, you know. Eventually he made me the official band leader. So it became the Frank Touches Walkers or whatever, you know. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, okay. so, well, it was his band. Sure. You know? And, uh, here, yeah, that's me there. Uh, so I was conducting for George Burns, you know, and it was not, it was, uh, it was great because it was like, it reminded me of watching old movies in a way, you know, where they do, where they do uh, like vaudeville type uh, stuff, you know, and the, his music sounded like that too, you know. He, he just stood next to me in rehearsal and he said, now Frank, we're going to do it this way. And what was funny too is there was a guy who with him that played piano. He brought his own piano player. So when that when I when I went out on the stage to rehearse, I saw the piano player. I says, "Well, I guess you're conducting, right?" He says, "No, you got it. <laughs> He's got some job. He really doesn't sit there, you know." Anyway, so I, but he was very nice, you know. Uh, uh, it was it was interesting because it it, it was uh, you know it kind it kind of it, it kind of gave you the experience of how things used to be in show business. I mean that's old time show business, right? Right. You know. Right. What year was that? Do you remember uh, approximately? You boy, that's that's the toughest question. Yeah. Uh, that must have been that must have been early eighties, late seventies. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm really not sure. Larry Ravin is good for dates. Um, of all the people you performed with, did you have a favorite? Uh, yes, 
I think a lot of people, uh, uh, there's a girl, uh, a girl singer that used to do a lot of shows in old hotels. You know, her name is Joanne Engel. Joanne was a, uh, uh, was a complete professional. She, she knew how to do this. She knew everything. Like, I'll give you an example. When I was conducting for her, you know, before each song, you count off the tempo, like one, two, one, two, three. So once, I don't know what the song was, but I go one, two, one, two. And it might have been just a little bit too fast for her. And she vocally put the tempo slower. She did it so professionally. I kind of looked at her and she looked at me, you know, and we smiled. But I, in other words, I did it two passes. She vocally slowed it down, you know. And she was one of the nicest people to, to work with. Nice. Uh, uh, a great person. Joanne. She was big, you know, like, I mean, she worked all the whole time, you know. But uh, she was as good as anybody. Great. That's wonderful. So you told me some stories about performing here. Um, any outstanding highlight that when you think back to your glory days, anything stand out? As far as... As far as um, a, a great story you have of one of the performers. Oh, or, well, one of the funniest ones. Is, sure. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you have to be a musician to understand this, but I'll, I'll tell you anyway. Uh, Shaky Green, do you know that name? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, he, he brought his own conductor with him. You know, and at, at rehearsal, this conductor—I don't remember his name—but the conductor wrote an arrangement on his, on uh, on the street where you lived. You know, I from my fair lady. Yeah, right. So he wrote this arrangement. You know, it was—it was—it wasn't for a singer. It was just an arrangement, and he'd rehearse it every time. Shaky, Shaky Green came to the hotel. He'd rehearse on the street where he lived, but they never did it in the show. <laughs> I guess he wanted to hear his arrangement, you know? But anyway, at rehearsal, Shaky Green also asked for, uh, you know, uh, 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 string players, you know? So he had, I don't know, four or five, uh, a couple of violins, a viola and a cello, whatever it was, you know? And one of the violinists that was hired to do that show was the first violinist with the New York Philharmonic, you know? I think his name was Kenny, uh, Kenny Gardner, I think. I'm not sure. But anyway, so he comes uh, uh, on the stage was uh, the management, uh, uh, Bobby Parker, right. uh, who, who was in charge of the hotel. And they were there, and a couple other people were there. And I, I came up, and since I wasn't uh, conducting, you know, I went and sat in my chair, you know, looking over the music. You know. And this violinist, uh, Shaky Green is standing there, and this violinist takes out his violin and starts to warm up on the violin, you know. And you hear this gorgeous, beautiful sound come out of this violin, right? And everybody's talking, and all of a sudden, his, Shaky Green turns around and goes, hey, you're not one of the regular guys. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You know, he says, hey, you're not one of the regular guys. <laughs> you're not like one of the regular. He heard this sound, you know. I, I just, I was, yeah, it's, 
it's one of these things you had to be there. But but right, uh, right. it was so funny when he said so Shaggy <laughs> brings it and the guy looked down like, you know <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. So um you were performing you mentioned that you were performing um on the road also. Yeah. Um was I was a little confused. Was any event during your time at the Concord? No. All right. So no. when you were at the Concord, you were straight right. there. Right. Okay. That was before the Concord. Now, when when and why did you retire from performing on a regular basis? Because the house all closed. <laughs> Good reason. <laughs> well, it closed. Well, first of all, uh, it was uh, first of all I was entering old age, you know, and uh, uh, like we all do, but uh, well. It, it, it closed uh, November 1998, right? I was 65 in December 1998, so I was ready for it. You know, I couldn't wait to <laughs> close already, you know, <laughs> because at the end, I mean, it was terrible. There was no one there, you know. Yeah. Uh, we used to. Well, the band was broken down to four people. It was just me, and and, and the rhythm was me. This guy. Well, the drummer's not there. But anyway. Oh, here's the drummer. Right there. One of my favorite. That reason I said, oh, there's the drummer. Because that's one of my favorite people. Okay. He just passed away recently. Oh, great. Great, great, great musician. Great What's drummer. his name? Uh, Vic Menekia. Don't Vic? ask me how to smell it. Vic Menekia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's put the drummer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, there were four people? Yeah, uh, me in the rhythm section, and we we uh, out of the big room. You were in the big room. In the big room yeah, at the Concord, the yeah. huge room. Yeah, right. Well, I understand they could hold three thousand people. There were more people in the audience than on stage. I hope. Uh, oh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, there were, I mean, during the heyday, you. you oh, I'm, yeah. no, I meant toward yeah. the end. Oh yeah. Oh, and we were in, in in the lounge, what they called the lounge. Uh, and we sometimes they come in and take the saxophone out of the case. There's nobody there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're just waiting for that to close. You know. It was tragic in a way. Do you um? Do you still perform anywhere? Yeah, upstairs. Upstairs for for an audience of one. Yeah. Your wife. Right. Well, I have a. Uh, they they make a. Uh, uh, CDs, you know, that uh, uh, were just rhythm sections. In other words, the piano, bass, and drums, mm-hmm. playing like in a jazz style, you know. And uh, they don't play melodies; they just play the chords and the accompaniment, and you play with them. So I have a bunch of those CDs that I. So it's almost like karaoke for. An uh, it's a little more than that. So, the it's uh, the uh, I mean, the great players that 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 made these CDs, you know. So, and and what they do is they well, I used to use them. I taught privately also. What they do is they take a, a song and go through the keep repeating it. And you, you practice jazz improvisation. In other words, you, you play the melody of the song, then you, you keep repeating and improvise, you know? Okay. So I actually use that with some of my kids that I told privately to. I'm going to back up for just a second. Did your parents ever get to see you perform? Oh, yeah. At the, at the hotels? Uh, at the hotels and also uh, with, the, with those bands, too. Okay. Uh, well, there's a place in uh, 
in the city called Basin Street East with their size and the band. They came. We played with, with a jazz singer by the name of Carmen McCray. Carmen McCray. Yeah. Yeah. She was yeah. a wonderful. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you think is important to your life as a musician? Well, um, what's important to me in, in music is, you know, like just, just the other night I was watching on channel, I, I checked channel 13 public television all sure. the time. Because they, once in a while I'll put on some real music, you know, by real musicians on real instruments. Real music? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but no, I saw one, there was a, he's an Asian man, a violinist. I think his first name is Steven, I think his last name is Yu. Y-O-O. Y-O-O. You know what I'm talking about? I just, yeah. And he did a thing, uh, uh, one, uh, did four, sh- four episodes, uh, episodes, I guess. Well, uh, the first one was, uh, about a female American composer, uh, Amy Beach, her name is. Yes. And the second one was about a black female American composer, uh-huh. Loretta, I can't think of her name. But anyway, the third one was about Aaron Copeland. Aaron Copeland, that yeah. just aired. Yeah, yes. yeah, you know that? And, but I, but they, but, you know, there's a show called America's Got Talent. Yes. America does have talent. Not on that show. Not on that show. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. That's not no, right. Okay. I should not say okay. that. Because there are, <laughs> you know, but what I'm, what I'm trying to bring out is on the Copeland thing, there's these little kids that are unbelievable musicians. It, incredible. And nobody knows about that. You know? Like there's a little girl playing oboe. I mean, forget it. She blew you away. Blew me away. You know, every one of them, they're, they're incredible kids, you know. And uh, uh, it was funny, Stephen, you said to them, do you worry about your future in music? Who, who worries about your future in music? Raise your hand. They all raise their hands. He says, well, stop worrying. Just practice. 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 He says, because when you practice, what do you think of? All you think of is the music and what you're trying to do, you know? And uh, things work out, you know, hopefully. Because these, thank God for those kids. That's what keeps uh, real music alive. And same thing with, with what I like to well, well, what I like to call America's class, and people much more qualified than myself like to call it, America's class for music, which is jazz. And the same thing, in fact, young jazz musicians are trained classically anyway. So there's hope that the music stays alive. So your advice to someone who wants to enter this business is practice? Yeah. So your advice to people who, uh, who might want to go into business, besides well, practice? Well, you know, you know, uh, the way I think about music is... Uh, is you know, there's two, you know, like, they call a lot of people in, in popular music musicians. I refer to them more as entertainers, you know. You know, like people in rap and all that. The musician, and, and I don't think of a weird name, you know, one of these rap people. I don't, I don't, I, I'm not uh, criticizing anything, you know. Uh, what I'm saying, but... To me, musicians are the kids I saw on... On the Aaron Copeland's Yeah, those, those are musicians. So what I'm saying, those people, when I 
those people, they're going to do it no matter what you tell them because it's in them. That's right. all, you know, they're hearing music all day long. That's all That's all they hear. That's all they think about. Of course, like, they worry about uh, what their future will be, but, but they're still going to stay at it. You know, that's a, so I don't know what kind of advice I would give them. You know, uh, what, what I would like to be, what, what, I would like to be half the music, musician those kids are now. You know, if they, they, they just blow me away, you know. So, uh, uh, the advice I, I would, I would give anybody, whether it's in entertainment, music, the arts, anything in the arts, if you want to do that and you feel that passionate about it, do it. Just do it. Until someday you realize this is not happening, you know. <laughs> I gotta go do something else. But but give it a shot, you know. Yeah. You know, you never know, right? I mean what, what could, you know. So you have a story about Jimmy Durante? Yeah, well, uh in nineteen fifty eight uh no, 1959, because I was in the Army in 1958. 1959, I was working in a club on 58th Street and 8th Avenue. I forgot the name of the nightclub, but, you know. So, uh, when we got done work, uh, the drummer and I went out, you know, he was going to go home and I was going to go home there. But it was snowing really bad. So the drummer says, you know, I only live about 10 blocks or something from here. He says, why don't you stay over, you know, stay over with, with him uh, instead of going home in this weather. So I said, okay. And we hailed a cab and I, and I got my saxophone case and I'm getting into the cab and I hear somebody say, where you working, Bridgeport? <laughs> I turn around and I say, who's that? It was Jimmy Ranty. In the cab? No, walking down I'm the street. The street. <laughs> and he saw I was getting in the cab and I got my saxophone so he, Three we were musicians, you know. And he says, where you are in Bridgeport? As a joke. And, oh, and I turned around and I said, my God, that's Jimmy Ranty. And we were talking to him, and he was with another guy. And uh, we were talking, blah, 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 and uh, so on. And, he's, and the, the other guy says, come on, Jimmy, you got to go. Let's go, you know. And he was at the, appearing at the Cobra Cabana. And he was going for a walk in the snow, you know. <laughs> So when I got home the next day, I, I thought about it, and I just took a chance and wrote a letter to Jimmy Durante in care of the Copa Cabana, uh, asking for an autographed picture. He sent that for you. sent that. What a great, that's nice. That's nice. That does it for this edition of the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast. You can check out Carol's full story on Frank at scdemocratonline.com or in the life section of our Weekender Edition.